I often say it's like all the little things that are no big deal add up to a really big deal. All the things you said yes to, or all the little mistakes, or all, you know, it all ends up compiling into something really huge. And it had for me. And so I had written it all out. And I'll never forget it. And I was like, here's your action plan to get your life back together. And it was a 180 from that point. From Fiori Communications, it's How I Got Here, a show of inspiring stories from Tallahassee area leaders, business owners, and neighbors, all the challenges, opportunities, inspirations, the twists and turns of life that led them to where they are today. Everyone has a story worth telling, and I am really grateful that we get to bring a few of them to you. I truly have been changed by my conversations with these amazing people, and I'm confident you will be too. I'm Dave Fiori. And in this episode, I speak with Lisa Davis, owner of Image by Lisa, successful entrepreneur and three-time national sales leader for one of the most successful beauty companies in the world. After a dramatic and unexpected change in circumstances, Lisa had to adjust to a life without the income, rewards, and status she worked so hard to achieve. Those changes forced her to start over, leading to a second chance for marriage, balancing life and work, and resulting in the unexpected blessing of a fourth child. Lisa is now building a better and more diversified beauty and fitness empire, focusing on her faith and making the most of life's lessons to help ensure a happy and fulfilling future. We began by talking about how she would describe herself today. Probably the first word would be entrepreneur. Um, I'm driven. I have a business here in Tallahassee. I'm a makeup artist. I'm a licensed esthetician. I am a regional vice president with Arbonne. Um, I uh, am a mom of four. I have an 18-year-old, that's Lydia, my oldest. And then I have a 16-year-old, Stephen, and a 14-year-old, Noah. And then we have a four-year-old, and his name is Ford. Um, And my husband travels with his business and he's, you know, all over the place. (laughs) So my job is to be an entrepreneur and to balance mommy life and home management all in one. So in one day, it could be uh, a thousand different things that I'm doing, um, whether it's planning an event or, um, you know, teaching a training. And then I fly into the pickup line to get a kid. And then I come back home and I make some calls and then I go pick up another kid and drop somebody off there. And so um, I bounce back and forth a lot. I have a lot of roles. And then I also do marketing and, um, you know, uh, social media consulting for a couple companies in town. So I'm really, you know, spread a little bit right now, but um, absolutely love it. So you were born in Tallahassee, right? Actually, I was born in Pennsylvania. Yeah, in the north. And um, we moved to Tallahassee when I was about 13. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. My dad was a senior pastor at a church in the, in town. And we moved for him here, you know, we moved here for him to take that senior pastor position. Okay. And then I went to Florida State from there and ended up staying. Right. So what was it like moving to Tallahassee as a 13-year-old? Hard. I'll tell you, I was very upset for quite some time. (laughs) We uh, lived a really great life. We lived in Jacksonville before um, we moved to Tallahassee. Um, My parents both worked, but we just had a really comfortable existence, and I loved where we were. I loved all my friends. I loved my school. So, of course, that's a really tough age to move children. 
And my dad um, took a, a pay cut to take a senior pastor position. So um, life and it changed a little bit from how we lived in Jacksonville to how we lived in Tallahassee. Right. Um, things were very tight. And so, uh, of course, I'm in a different school. And it was a huge adjustment. Finally, I, I actually was, uh, we drew me from, from school and I homeschooled for um, the rest of, through, through high school. And then I went on to college after moving here because the adjustment to the school system was so hard on me when we moved here. What was hard about it? The people that I was around, I was, you know, I was in the suburbs of Jacksonville and I was, I had a lot of friends and I was with people I knew. And in, when we moved here, it was fights every day. The things that I was witnessing, the way that people talked to teachers, I was just appalled by all of it. Things that were happening to me in the halls, even with regards to opposite sex, <laughs> it was just like I would go home every day freaked out, honestly, mm. and tell my mom, "Don't make me go back." <laughs> right. And so after about two semesters, she said, "Okay, fine," because I had begged enough. And so she kept me home, and I homeschooled actually. And and then she went back to work, and I kind of schooled myself, and she would grade my my stuff at night and accelerated to the, to the point where I got through high school in a couple years and graduated from homeschooling uh, at 16 and then went on to college. So when I graduated from college, I was 20. Right. Was it easy for you to kind of self-motivate and get through school on your own like that? Yeah, I think so. And maybe that laid the foundation a little bit for mm. who I've become today. Because I guess when you asked, who are you as a person, that was a really... I didn't know whether that meant vocation or character and who, how I'm wired, but I am very self-motivated. I work really hard, and I think a lot of that comes back to, one, growing up with very little, right? So if it was to be, it was up to me, and I had to make it happen, or, or I wasn't going to have it, period. <laughs> and then right. same thing with regards to school. I think it did teach me to be really self-reliant, work on my own. Um, and then, of course, I went to college at a young age, and you have to do that because you're working independently in college, too. Um, and so... I learned really quickly that you just get it done. Yeah, you don't need to have your hand held. You just take care of things. Right. Okay, and you have a brother and a sister, right? I do. Uh, my sister is also has always been pretty much an entrepreneur. She's got several children. My brother is a bachelor. He lives in the north. He has an executive job. You know, he he's a lot younger than me, and so my first child was my brother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you understand that day with all your children because there's such a big age difference. For sure. Um, he was born when I was about 12 and I turned 13 right after he was born. So basically I, I raised him and now we have the same dynamic because my daughter is almost 18 and our son is four. He, he was born when she was 13 and right. so she's doing the same thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Learning to be a parent really yeah. early. And then my daughter, my sister is a year younger than I am and we're very close to this day as well. So our family's very tight knit. Uh, my dad, who brought us to Tallahassee, ended up, um, he passed away about four years ago, had a heart attack. Um, and it's interesting because we've had so much illness in our family. <laughs> my mom has had cancer many times. She just metastasized. Mm -hmm. She's a walking miracle. Anybody who knows my mother um, knows that she shouldn't be alive. And she's still with us. <laughs> wow. So, And yeah. she still lives here in Tallahassee. So, um, yeah, they're all here. Okay. So you finish high school. And you move on to Florida State. 
Um, was there any question of going anywhere else or did you always know you wanted to stay here and do that? You know, it's funny is I didn't. And I know a lot of people aspire to go other places, but my dad had made it really clear that he wanted me to stay home <laughs> and uh, he didn't want me to go very far. So, no, I stayed here. I kind of waffled for a little while after mm -hmm. college trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, it wasn't until pretty late or much later in life that I really figured out what my purpose was. Right. What was it like going to college being younger than everybody? I didn't even think anything of it, honestly. Really? Yeah, because everybody was so close in age, and it really didn't matter at that point. Nobody really asked how old you were, you know. Um, right. And uh, you just do the same thing everybody else does. Yeah. Get through. But 16 and 18, that's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> but it was hard, you know. I... I didn't have the same college experience that a lot of people have. And, um, you know, everybody has their different perspectives and sometimes they're jealous of different types of people. I remember being sure. so jealous of people who like lived on campus and people, their parents paid for things. Like I had student loans and I was working two jobs and I was trying to find a place to park every day and racking up the Florida State FSU tickets on my car, you know, because I could right. never find a place to running to classes, trying to work and pay for to live, plus going to school full time. And I really missed out, I feel like looking back on the true college experience, but again, shaped who I am today because I'm a hardworking person and I don't accept excuses. <laughs> right. But back then it would have been really nice to live on campus and like have a meal. And, you know, it just, I, I remember like, stopping at gas stations and like scraping for change to put gas in my car. That's my, that was my college experience. It was a very stressful time. Right. I don't remember looking back on it going, Oh, I had such a great time. Right. Like it just was getting through. And so that I could get a job and move yeah. on with my life. That makes sense. What was your major? I was a political science and history. So my plan was to go on to law school, which of course that plan changed. Um, I met my uh, then husband really young, was married very young, and we started having children like right away. So um, I'm a young mom to my older children and an old mom to my four-year-old. <laughs> <Right>. So you <laughs> got to experience both sides of that. I so, have, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's been interesting. Yeah. So yeah, so you graduate at 20, right? And you're married at 21. So you're 21 years old, out of school, so what is life looking like for you at that point? You know, it was great. It was like we lived in a little love cottage and, you know, we were trying to get by. And I had so many big dreams, though. Like I wanted to do so much um, that I always felt like something was sort of missing. Um, but I stayed at home with the kids when they were young. We made the sacrifice to be able to do that. Um, but it was, again, that was a struggle, like, um, not that I wasn't used to that because not having a whole lot was how I was raised. Right. But I just remember, um, th there's a lot of joy from those years. My kids were back to back, 18 months apart, three children. So we were in the backyard all the time. They were always naked and playing and running around and screaming and the house is always a mess. And it was a lot of joy. But for anybody who's had children that close together can also tell you it was really stressful. Like yeah. a lot of those years were just kind of a, like a fog. Um, and we had one child and still do who's autistic and was really challenging. And um, I remember sometimes just crying myself to sleep because he's been so difficult and mm -hmm. hard on us to raise. Um, and it made it very stressful during that time. Plus the money compounded also made it difficult during that time. I remember being in the grocery store being like, wow, I didn't think that this is the way right. life was going to be. Like, I want to buy groceries, you know, and um, and get what I want and not have to think about having $100 in my budget until two weeks from now. So, All right. So you've got 
three kids, right? You're busy, lots of stress that we just talked about, trying to figure all that that out and income, you know, money is an issue. So you start looking at income options, right? Like what can you do to contribute to the family income and make things a little bit easier? So what do you start exploring at that point? Yeah, that's interesting. I remember the very moment that I certain thoughts have hit, you know, you can look back and I don't remember a whole lot because my memory started to really go through the ages. But I remember I was in the backyard with all three of my little kids and thinking, what could I possibly do to bring in an income? And I researched and researched and researched and I talked to all kinds of different companies. And I finally fell with, okay, it looks like MLM direct sales is going to be what's best for me just because it's something I can do from home. I couldn't get outside of the house because paying for childcare for all of those kids would have been a lot. And we really wanted the experience of having the kids be home in their younger years. Um, And so... Again, I was looking, looking, praying, praying, and I was in a Bible study at the time with a friend, and I remember one day she said, you know, I've joined this company, and they do these spa party things, and everybody comes and gets pampered, and then they have the option to purchase at the end, and I thought, that sounds really interesting. Well, that night I went home, and I'll never forget it. I had a dream that I was in that company, and I was speaking in front of thousands of people, like at a conference or a convention or something. And my mom always said, you always had dreams like that. You had a dream that we had your baby brother before we even had him. (laughs) Um, But I remember the dream and something was inspired in me. It sparked in me. It took some time. I went to her first party. I was her very first consultant that joined. Of course, everybody who was there, including my best friend, was like, oh, my God, you're so stupid. I can't believe you're doing this. You're so busy. Because, of course, my mom was still sick with cancer, still is till this day. We had so many responsibilities there and with the kids and everything. Um, but, but I, but I was like, you know what, something felt right to me about that company because I also felt like I was giving back to people because Mm -hmm. I was able to give women something that they don't do very well naturally. Once we have children, especially when you don't, you know, your time's your own, but priorities become different. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, so I was able to pamper women while making a good part-time income. So I joined this company and, um, things started to change in our home pretty quickly uh, after that decision. I was still home with the kids, but I was going out at night and doing these spa parties, one or two a night or a week. And um, it just, man, looking back, it's like $500 a month was like life-changing. You know, that meant more groceries. That meant we had to eat out once in a while. We could go on a date because when you're really limited financially, which I totally understand, even to this day when people tell me, oh, I can't afford that, I'm like, Totally get it. You know what I mean? Like I have a very intimate knowledge of what it feels like to be completely broke. Um, And so um, I just worked my business and grew with that company for quite a long time. So we can name the company, right? We can. They've gone out of business, which is a whole nother story, I guess. Right. We'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. But the company is beauty control. That's right. And um, you became a consultant and you were pretty darn good at it. Right. Safe to say. Yes. Yeah. I I loved it. Um, I found that I was a natural teacher by, uh, and my whole sales method throughout my entire career within this industry has been to educate. Um, so I'm not a real big hype person. I'm like, Oh, you know, you have to have it because I love it. It's more like, well, what's it do and why does it work? And what are the active ingredients that'll help you? And why is it important? You know, why is self-care important? All of those things I found were my strength, um, in, in teaching women. So they felt like, 
a lot of times they didn't just go to a spa party. They went to a class where they learned about yeah. what were the best things to do for themselves. And it didn't matter whether it was beauty control or something else. I tended to be very honest and still am about what works and what doesn't. If my company has something that I don't like, I don't sell it, period. You know, right. <laughs> it's just, and, um, and that honesty also helped propel my business. So I went, um, I was a consultant and from, and it took me about two years to get to the level of director. And what does that mean, a level of director? It's like basically you're, you're, you have a certain amount of sales volume that's coming in okay. and you have a large team. And, um, you know, I would say probably 200 people on my team at that point. You're making more of a full-time income, you know, $5,000, $6,000 a month. You're able to right. replace an income, basically. So yeah. I was home with the kids plus making a full-time income. Um, which comes with other little challenges, but I enjoyed that because I'm a good multitasker. So it was, you know, kids, nap time, beauty control. Right. So what did it take in that relatively short amount of time to build a team like that? The first thing is I was always consistent. Whatever the action plans were, I was stuck to the action plans. You know, if they said you need to do two parties a week, that's what I did. Okay. And I never wavered from that. I think uh, a lot of people come into this industry think that it's going to be easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's definitely not. You really have to put in the activities. And I always put in those activities. And then I always shared it every time I could, the opportunity. Never shoved it down people's throat. I never was that person that was like, and still am, where I'm going to bring up what I do and try to recruit everybody. This isn't for everybody. Um, but I would share it at every single party that I did. And I also, I'm a really big proponent of sharing belief in others. So yeah. if I think somebody would be good at it, I will absolutely tell them. If I don't, I will not say a thing. So if I met somebody and I thought, man, they're really great. I'd love to work with them. I tell them, hey, I think you'd be really great at this. Um, I'll help you. I think you should think about it. That's it. And I'll try to pressure people into doing something right away. And I think that resonated with people that I wasn't the typical, you know, and I've posted that on social just the other night. I'm not the typical, like going to shove it down your throat. I'm going to plant those seeds, let you come alongside with me, and then I'll cultivate and help you from there. Um, and then that's what I did. And I would go into that teacher role again by teaching my team how to do what I was doing. And that's something that is a strength. Even now I teach them how to do exactly what I do. So I'm duplicating myself. Right. You're obviously, when you're having the parties, you're selling more than products, right? You're selling confidence. You're selling self-worth. How does, what is that dynamic like? How does that work? Um, that's a huge part of it because you're giving women a permission to take care of themselves and that it's okay, especially when there are certain seasons of life, which right. I think is key. Um, so for me, again, it comes back to education, just this one simple step, this one ingredient, let's take, you know, and now it's even more broad than that. I mean, it was very spa, skincare, then it evolved into makeup and I became a makeup artist and I became a professional makeup artist and I became licensed and all of that accelerated right. from there. I want to step back a little bit and ask you, okay, you, you were doing really well with beauty control. Your team was building, you were rising through the ranks. Just tell me what that world was like, because I have a sense that it wasn't just the money. You were getting a lot of intangibles from that. I mean, the recognition, the the prestige of it, just kind of give us a little insight into that world as a really successful consultant with beauty control. 
Yeah, I don't think people understand from the outside how encompassing, I guess, it gets. And I guess they can because sometimes they see these types of things as cultish, which I totally understand. <laughs> I totally do. Because right. there's such an empowerment culture that comes along with what we do. But um, what happened and ended up happening is I went from director, grew in about one year's period after that from director to senior executive director, promoting 10 of myself, 10 of okay. leaders. And then overall promoting 22 directors total, doing over $100,000 in sales volume a month, million, do million dollars that year, um, which is a lot in makeup. So yeah. this is not cars or computers. <laughs> right. these, are, these are lipsticks. Right. <laughs> you know? That's a lot of lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> these are lipsticks. And, um, you know, I was just doing my thing. Honestly, I still do. It's just like I'm just being consistent with my activities. I never really thought too much about it or why I had been successful or anything until I started going to like the national conferences. And I remember one national conference seeing people like look over at me and whisper or just, um, I heard, overheard somebody say, Oh my God, there's Lisa Davis, you know? And I was like, Whoa, like what's that all, you know, because that's what happens in the industry. Once you go to the top, you kind of become the it girl, the, and that comes and goes trust sure. me, you know, but I became that it girl in that company and it, it propelled me to um, a local fame, but also uh, an MLM within the industry um, position, you know, of influence. Um, went on to become, you know, I was on the president's council and took all the trips. Like you're saying, the nice thing about being in sales, not just in MLM or direct selling, but in any sales position. I know a lot of girls in town who are sales reps for all kinds of different companies sure. there's trips and cars oh, and yeah. i mean it's just incentives is part oh, of the deal it's in part of the deal and right. it's one of the beauties of being in sales i'm in sales just like anybody else is in sales and my methods are probably pretty much the same as anybody else in this position but every, i looked around after about 10 years in the company i had um, everything in my home was my company's i had earned every television every <laughs> xbox right. Wii's. i mean my cars were all from my company um, every piece of jewelry that I own. I mean, I was just dripping in, in jewelry. Um, it was and, and not, I mean, big jewelry. Big, I'm talking, yeah, big jewelry. Like right. number one in the company for three years in a row, we're talking massive pieces of diamond jewelry. Right. <laughs> Which there's a whole nother story coming with that. Yes. Um, and um, it was amazing because I remember, you know, one of the best things about it, Dave, was we were also able to give so much. Right. You know, our church was going through a building campaign during that time. And I remember thinking, I can't even believe we're giving this much money. It's like a house payment plus some, you know. But it was a blessing because God had provided that and right. we were giving it back. And I never even thought anything of that either. And um, as God gives, you know, and God takes away as we see, you know, but... Um, so we were able to give, but also I remember one day I was turning into Walmart and I was thinking, wow, I just made what most people make in a year in one month. Like I could buy anything I want today at Walmart. And that was a huge moment because I'm coming from right. nothing, like nothing, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I had worked my way through college. Did that make you feel weird or guilty in some way or, I mean. No, not at all. You no. know why? Because we live in America. Yeah. And because we live in a country that we are blessed to be able to work hard and achieve the American dream 
And when you work your butt off, because that's what I was doing, I was working my butt off, then you get rewarded for it. And the nice thing about this business, especially MLMs, is anybody can do it. Mm. Anybody can do this. I, I firmly believe that. If they put the work in, that anybody can achieve this. And many girls on my team were. They were earning cars and trips and jewelry, and everybody was doing great. And um, How did it make you feel to see your team um, accomplish so much? Uh, well, that was where the beauty comes in, because that's where you're seeing basically your children do well. And we all want to see our children really become amazing human beings. So it's kind of like that in the business, like when people grow and they start earning things and they start being the ones asked to speak at conferences and travel the world. It's like, you know, the proudest mama on the planet. And, um, so I absolutely love that. And I love that still to see other people be empowered to take back, whether it means just a little breathing room or life changing income. That's really cool to watch. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. So outwardly, you're doing great, making tons of money, helping other women, experiencing a meteoric rise to national prominence in your field. Um, But you have said that you let a lot fall through the cracks during that period. Yeah. What did you mean by that? You know, now looking back, because I've gotten, I I don't want to skip ahead. Okay. The kids were doing great. My marriage was suffering. Um, we really struggled there and we finally ended in divorce. You know, I I don't know that my children were really falling through the cracks as much because one of the beauties of what I do is that I have been so flexible, Right. but there were things missing, you know, they weren't getting the attention they need, but mostly I was so focused on what I was doing that I became what I did. Mm. My identity was completely wrapped up in who I was as this mogul, you know, this beauty mogul. Right. And now I see now how damaging that was because when I lost it, I lost everything, Mm. you know, during that time. Right. So 2013 was a rough year, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To say the least. You could say that. Actually, it was a series. It began a series of rough years. Okay. Yeah. So we talked about your big jewelry and, but it, um, your ownership of that did not end the way you planned, right? As things got tough, the company's in decline, um, you're divorced, you're now a single mom, you're, you're back, you know, you still have, you still have things and money, but not your life has changed. Your, your situation has changed. So, uh, tell me how you dealt with that. Well, um, I guess the divorce happened first and I was dealing with the single mom thing. The autistic, our autistic son was way worse during that time, Mm -hmm. which was very stressful. And having two incomes that are great, but then going to one income that's okay, was a little of an adjustment. Right. Then my mother moved back in with me. Um, My dad had passed, well, my dad passed away right after the divorce. And my mom moved in with me, so that was another person I was taking care of. Um, And my mom is self-sufficient, but she is permanently disabled from multiple cancers that have spread. She lives a very bad life like quality of life, I would Mm. say. And so she was living with me, then the kids, you know, and uh, that was a huge adjustment. I was also dealing with the loss of relationship, my ex, and then I had gotten involved with somebody else that was terrible. You know, it was just terrible, terrible. The whole thing, the whole situation was bad. 
Um, I experienced my first depression ever. Like I've never been depressed. I never had an issue with that. I thought, you know, looking from the outside, you always look at people like, ah, just perk up, you know, get over it and just move. (laughs) Just do it, you know, do what you got to do. But I was dealing with emotional, like just trauma through all of it. Um, And the company was declining. It was getting to the point where every month things went down. And well, because of what was happening, the morale within the company started to decline and we were recruiting less, we were selling less. Um, things in the industry were changing. I don't know if you've noticed, but people don't do parties anymore. Right. <laughs> you know? Not that uh, I went to a lot of them before. Right, exactly, but, Dave, yeah. I know. But but things changed there too. Sure. Um, and finally, it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get a full-time job on top of what I'm doing with beauty control and single mom and my mother and all of this. I got a job. Um, to pay the bills because my mom can't, can, you couldn't contribute right. at all, of course. And what what was the job? It was a full-time sales position here in Tallahassee, okay. which was great. But again, here I am traveling all over for that job, traveling all over for beauty control, trying to maintain beauty control full-time while being a single mom and with the trauma of everything that had gone on. And I'll right. never forget it. One day I was working that job and I got the call from my mom that the sheriff's department was at my dad's house. And I knew right then, mm-hmm. you know, that was it. And my dad was gone. He had been gone for four days and we didn't know. And, you know, we drove over there and he was, he, that was it. And it, with the cool part about that whole time though, I have to tell you though, is that even though I was like really slipping and things were not going well and income was down, I have never once asked my parents for money ever. Not once my whole life. But that month prior, I called my dad and I said, Dad, we need some money to pay the rent. I paid all the other bills. I'm just a little short. And he met me at a McDonald's and he looked terrible. He had had shingles. He had been sick. He had become very much a loner. Like, I don't know if he had maybe a a friend in the planet, you know. Right. And he looked just bad. He sweat. He was sweating. He was red. And we sat there and we had lunch and we talked. And I was like, gosh, he just looks bad. Yeah. But he gave me cash that day to pay our rent. And I'm so glad, you know, that I asked him for that money. And he gave it so willingly. He didn't even ask. But the next month, he was gone. And I was the last person in the family who had seen him. Mm-hmm. And I was the last person who had talked to him. And I still have a voicemail on my phone from him mm-hmm. five years ago, you know. And it's, hey, babe, you know, just wanted to see how your new job's going. And. I still have it now on my computer and it's yeah. just, it's awesome to know that I got to, you know, in that vulnerability right. came a great moment. And so he got to show you some love in a really tangible way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm glad. So he, he passed the week after that. I remember thinking this situation, this whole thing is not what my dad would want. Just the relationship that I'm in, this, this, this trauma that I'm experiencing with this person and this lifestyle is just, it isn't what my dad would want. Mm. And I was able to really take a 180 after that and just walk away from all of it. I walked away from the relationship. I walked away from that full-time job. And I said, I'm going to ride this out with beauty control until they end Mm. and whatever. And I, I, I actually made an action plan at that point. I actually, my mom, bought in a condo. I moved her out. I started to go, okay, what do you need to do, Lisa, to take care of you and to make right. sure that you maintain sanity during this season? Right. And that was all part of it. The same thing you tell your clients exactly. and your team, right? But you, sometimes it happens so slowly, you don't even realize that this destruction's unfolding. Right. Do yeah. you, you know what I mean? And then you look back and you're like, oh gosh, you know, <laughs> all those little- How did I get here? Yeah. Right. And I often say it's like 
all the little things that are no big deal add up to a really big deal. All the things you said yes to, or all the little mistakes, or all, you know, it all ends up compiling into something really huge. And it had for me. And so I had written it all out. I'll never forget it. And it was like, here's your action plan to get your life back together. And it was a 180 from that point. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about the Tallahassee Love Book, featuring 101 ways to love local. It's full of places to eat, shop, and play, services that make your life better, and even podcasts that connect you with local people. You can find them in businesses and offices all over town. There's also a Facebook group where these businesses are sharing their appreciation for you, offering various perks and prizes. The group is called TLH Lovebook Insiders. Check it out on Facebook today. But I did want to ask, you know, in addition to the money and your kind of life being turned upside down, you're also missing the adoration and the praise of people, some who you love and care about, you know, your team and other people you don't know. But that's, I, even if you're not fed by ego, that's still different, right? That's still a change where if you're not the it girl anymore, how did you, how did you deal with that? I think at that point I had gotten used to not being the it girl. Like, because of the tr- decline of the company yes, overall. Yes, and I had tried to maintain a, a humility through all of that, meaning I still always stopped and talked to anybody who wanted to talk. And, you know, I tried to maintain some sort of humil- humility. I think once the company finally declined, if you want me to kind of get there with, I sure, can tell yeah, you kind of sure. what happened. Um, I think more of it was losing a sense of purpose for me okay. because I was in that role of mentor, teacher, um, almost like a... a hard to say for my for my team I was that motherly role right that's what was difficult and you don't know it until it's gone so I got um first I need to back up I guess and say that after I made that 180 shift um the week two week two weeks after my dad passed away I mean this is all really fast but this is it all went down within like a two-year period I took my mom to go swimming after my dad had passed away And I took the kids and I was like, let's just go do something fun. And we went to the pool at my mom's convo. Right. And I walked in and saw my husband for the first time. My new, my new husband. Stafford. Yeah. Stafford. We've been married for five years. And, uh. So what was your initial impression of him? I've never seen anybody more beautiful in my whole life. (laughs) Honestly. Um, that was my first impression. Um, so of course it was attraction, but then my second thought was do not look at him and do not look in his direction, period. This whole time that you're here. Right. Because that is the last thing you need to right give now. him any exactly. idea. Exactly. No, right? I don't need any of that in my life. Like I was totally fine with moving forward, just me and the kids. I had just gotten out of a terrible situation. Right. You don't want pool guy giving no, you a No, I did not right? need pool guy. And pool guy was really hot. So, of course, he's going to be a player, right? You know? And so, I, and so I didn't talk to him. He found me. About five days later, I got a text message from somebody who he talked to somebody who talked to somebody right. trying to hunt me down, and I so guess. So, your plan didn't work. No. And he, and he says that he was the first, I'm the first woman he ever pursued, like, he saw me at the pool and he was like, that was it <laughs> for him. <laughs> and and I guess it was it for me too, yeah, because, I so. but I had decided I wasn't going to. So we ended up going out, um, being set up by the people that lived at this condo. It was it. 
love at first sight. Like we were in, in just inseparable from that point. Um, <laughs> come in for Davis. All right. So right. then two months later, I found out I was pregnant with our son. Right. Uh, again, shocker of all shocks. Uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't know each other very well. Um, I had three children and all of this. So that's a whole nother story, but it's been a huge blessing to have another child at this age. You know, I was a geriatric pregnancy and, <laughs> and Ford is, um, his name's Ford. He's the cutest thing ever. And he's brought such joy to our whole family. In fact, the teenagers, our older kids just absolutely love him. It's like their parents. And, right. um, so there's, uh, that was a huge adjustment, but again, I felt like, well, this is where we're at. I'm, you know, I am a Christian. I have certain core values that there will not be um, broken. Right. And so I went forward and we had Ford and we ended up getting married like four months later. So it was really, really fast and furious, just love. Right. And um, I'm super grateful because Stafford is like the perfect other half of me. He's um wonderful, wonderful man. <laughs> he can explain anything. You know, he's very patient. Everything that I'm not, he is, and everything okay. that he is, and I am. And so right. it's been a wonderful um, journey. But um, here we are, newlyweds, have a new baby, and my income is continuing to decline, and I am freaking out. And I'm getting to know this new husband. You know, I'm still dealing with the trauma of yeah. losing my dad, because all of this has happened really fast. Yeah. And my mother and the situation with that, because... That's been ongoing. You know, my family and I have always struggled with mom and her cancer and all of that. Right. So I get a call and I'll never forget. It was in August. We were all supposed to be flying to Dallas. And I was like determined to make this happen. I was going down with the sinking ships, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they called us and told us that we weren't to fly out, that we were to cancel our flights. So we all canceled our flights. And then they got us on a call the next day and said, you know, we um, were sorry to inform you you know, that we're disbanding the company, we're liquidating the company. And we're talking 50,000 consultants, hundreds of home office. The company was owned by a company head, I don't even know if I should mention, that had bought us out and it just mismanaged. Um, and what happened? I think we can say that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, they We had been bought out by Tupperware. Right. Tupperware ended up liquidating us for tax purposes. Then they ended up selling our information to other companies. You know, it was just... A, what ensued was a complete civil war within the industry, hmm. within our industry too, because then company, you know, some decided to start their own company and try to recruit everybody. Some of the big leaders went to other big companies. And yeah, I saw when I was researching it, I Googled yeah. it. I saw oh, okay. there was so another company who was saying all the beauty control people come, come, come here. over here and be part of this. That's like, right. Like the brand was living on in another company. Exactly. Yes. Which was so traumatic for us because here yeah. we're fired. We were fired. Our teams were taken away. Our, our our cars were gone. Our income was gone. But then they sold the rights to our information to another company and all the formulas to another company. And then that company tried to pursue us to recruit us back into the same model, which mm -hmm. was like, are you, you know. Yeah, why would we do that? Yeah, exactly. Right. Why would we ever do that? And then the CEO of our company actually started another company on his own within six months. I mean, he sprang it up fast. And, uh, and under the guise of loyalty, right, tried to bring everybody right. under his fold so that he could grow his own brand, 
which a lot went there. And then the rest of us scrambled, you know, the, especially the top leaders. It was like, find a company and bring all your people over. And, and everybody- Before they get all split that's up. That's right. right. Everybody was scrambling to grab up who they could. And it were a lot of hurt feelings because, you know, disloyalty, you know, yeah. uh, we didn't keep the same- rankings. We didn't keep the same structures. And, uh, and then all of a sudden people weren't returning your phone calls and your team was MIA and nobody would tell you what they were doing. And there, there were some who would, who would say, Hey, I've decided to do this and I would bless it, you know, because who am I? At least they were honest. I'm I'm a nobody at this point, you know? Um, and because of all the hurt and the civil war that went on within the industry and all the industries trying to scoop us all up and constant messaging and, presidents of companies calling us and flying us out all these different places because they wanted the top girls because if they got us top girls they got everybody underneath us sure made sense but it was so hurtful i just stepped back from all of it i just couldn't have any part of it for about two years i just i said i'll just try it all and just play around with things and i lived broke again Back to just ground zero. Um, And those were the humbling years again. That's why I say I understand where people are at when they've lost everything. I was married, but again, it's a new marriage. I didn't want to ask my new husband for help. And I certainly didn't want to tell him that I had $100 in my account. So I was in a position where I was selling things, pawning off my jewelry, selling my car. Anything I could do to get by is what I did during that time. Now, thankfully... I am a professional makeup artist and was before beauty control ended. Right. So I had that income. But what people don't realize is professional makeup artists, hairstylists, estheticians, we make good money, but you have no idea what we, what we make in comparison in MLMs. It's just four times, five times as much. Right. And so I was used to living on a certain level and I had to go down to a very minimal with all these children and trying to run a home and trying to pay for my half of the bills, you know, right. and, it, um, and it affected our marriage too, because I felt like, well, gosh, I had all these things I brought to You've the relationship. you had a lot to offer before. Exactly. And I have nothing to offer now. <laughs> and uh, so it affected our, our relationship. We definitely had some things we had to overcome during those years, but also uh, that's one of my biggest weaknesses. I don't ask for help. Hmm. I do not ask, and especially not for money and I never will. And, and I still don't. Right. And your side hustle, Image by Lisa, yes. right, um, turned into a full-time job. And you continue. We're going to get to yeah. your next step with okay. direct selling in a minute. But during this period, it provided a good income, and it's still something that you continue today. So tell me about the the professional makeup, artistry, and everything related to Image by Lisa. Well, I really learned as my company declined, that you have to brand yourself, never your company. It's always about people are buying from you, not a company. Right. And so that trust has to be there. And the way that the trust is built is through giving value to people. And so about three years before Beauty Control declined, I started doing more tutorials, videos, teaching classes to try and help women learn how to do their makeup or learn how to dress right for their complexion or, you know, image, anything image is where my uh, specialty is. And so that built my brand and it did give me two legs to stand on, or I would have been really in a bad position when beauty control closed. But I continued to do that through those times. I did makeup tip Monday, every Monday on my page, you can follow me on all my social platforms. And I do lots of tutorials and teaching anything regarding image. Now that's gotten even bigger. It's expanded through the years, but um, yeah, image by Lisa is the umbrella under which all of the different topics that I cover fall right. under. Okay. 
So you took a break after beauty control and you basically took a time out, right? And rather than rushing into something else, you said, I'm going to look at all my options. So tell me about that process and where you ended up. Well, I felt like what happened is so many people rushed into a decision. They didn't really have time to try everything. And I had done that with beauty control. I, I joined him and I thought, oh, they're the best. If you try, if you use anything else, you're just, you know, you're not using the best. Well, how did I know? I'd never tried any of the other brands. I'd never been in their back office or looked at their branding or their compensation plan or their discount structure. So I felt like this time I needed to really study things and be educated about the choice that I made instead of just jumping in like a lot right. of other people had. And they still, I mean, they, I'm looking at them going, oh, they're like, oh, this is the best. And they're selling their, you know, whatever it is. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. I've tried yours, but I've tried some others too. Um, so I joined about 12 different product lines and I just played. And my whole mission was to do reviews because I do have a YouTube channel and I put a lot of content out there. And right. I thought, I'll just talk about some of these lines and what they're good at and what they're not good at. But I studied a man. I studied comp plans and back office and branding, marketing, missions, all of that, because right. I wasn't I wasn't a novice to the industry anymore. I was a pro in the industry. And so I knew what to look for. And I was really sensitive to red flags. One popped up. I was like, you're out, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And so I quickly minimized all the companies down to about three. And I just kind of toyed around with the three, right? All at the same time. I kind of sold a little bit of each one. I didn't really recruit. I was just like, I'm just going to play around and play with these things. And then um, in December, or I guess December of 2018, I really felt like God was moving on my heart that I was supposed to get back into the industry. I was doing a lot of me work. I was in Bible studies and just spending time just growing who I was as a person right. again, independent of any company, right? right. And uh, I was like, you know what? It's time. It's time. And I think I know where I'm supposed to go. And I feel like God confirmed it in so many different ways. It was like, okay, yeah, yeah I hear you. <laughs> All right, fine. You know? <laughs> And, um, and then in 2019, January 1st, I had a job offer. I do uh, marketing and consulting for another business owner here in town who does a great job. We work really well together on his business and then several others. Like I consult with them to just kind of help them grow their brand because I'm all about marketing right. and branding. You can give them a little plug if you want to. Okay. Yeah. So my friends over at Island Wing Company, and that's funny because people always think that Sam and I are married. We're not married. <laughs> Stafford's my husband. Christine's his girlfriend. Um, but we're very good friends. And when he started, he's, he started Tropical Smoothies here in town. And mm -hmm. then he, of course, um, started Island Wing. I came on board with him to consult with like marketing, social media, that types of thing. Yeah. We have grown his, that platform huge over the last few years. I haven't loved it. We've had such a great time doing it, you know, together. Yeah. And um, I'm super proud of him and what he's accomplished there. So their corporate head wanted to bring me on full time in marketing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, it was such great money. It was travel. It was basically what I was loved doing, which is marketing, right. branding, all that stuff, social media. And I knew that that wasn't what I was supposed to do. Like, I just knew that I had this other thing and I had my real estate license. And I always knew that, like, but is that what I'm passionate about? I love image. I love helping people figure out their colors and, you know, all of that stuff is what I really am passionate about. Plus, I am so spoiled by the industry's flexibility. Honestly, right. I mean, I work when I want. I'm going from here to pick up a kid and take that kid there and then take this kid there and then deliver in that one and drop on this one and then coming right. back. And then I'll work for a couple hours and then I'll put one to bed, you know, so and a regular job just doesn't let you, you do don't. That. Yeah, you cannot do that. And so because I've grown so spoiled by that flexibility, 
I knew at that point I had a decision to make and I knew my husband really wanted me to kind of go with the full time, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to disappoint so many people, you know, and I turned down that job and I said, I'm going to go with this company that I had decided on. And I started on January 1st of 2019. And who did you start with? I joined Arbonne and started with Arbonne. And I had joined them and several, the 12 others, but I found that I was continuing to use their products. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I kind of fell in love with just a lot about the company. This, you know, the mission, the pure health and, you know. And it's um, broader than just image, right? It is. It is. Makeup. It's interesting because I came to all of the companies from an esthetician, makeup artist background, looking at their makeup and skin hair primarily. I wanted individualized skincare and certain colors and certain coverage. And I was really picky about all of that. And I found that with Arbonne. But I found later that most people come into Arbonne for the nutrition part. 95% come to the nutrition part. But I tend to sell all of it. like the, right. you know. Um, but most teams mostly are nutrition. But I fell in love with the nutritional aspect. And so I ended up going in that way as, you know, encompassing nutrition and exercise and all of that as part of my brand because it was already part of who I was as a person. So it enabled me to just kind of go a little bit further with all of it. So how's it going with Arbonne? Good. I, you know, I gave a speech. That's funny that that same month um, I was asked to speak at a cosmetology school here in town and I gave a speech and I said, you know, I have a word for every year. And I said, 2019 is going to be my resurgence. And it was, you know, from January, took me six months to become the same level that I was when I was new to our, you know, beauty control, basically like a regional vice president of what they call it here. I earned the white Mercedes SUV that I have outside and, um, six that within six months grew a team up to, you know, several hundred and really fast time. But a lot of those girls are again, all my old you know, I wasn't, it wasn't a lot of Tallahassee. I'm, I'm actually, because I had grown that, um, network nationwide within the direct selling community, a lot of people were waiting, I found to find like, what is she going to do? Okay. And then as soon as I did it, they were like, okay, let's so do So they it. were ready to jump on board. <laughs> yeah. Cause well, and I think that, and most of them have told me it's because we knew you had done the research, hmm. but <laughs> I am not so wrapped up in who I am with right. this company. That was, that was my <laughs> next question. This yeah. is, the second time around, how are you guarding yourself against some of the traps that you may have fallen into the first time? I think that happens in marriage too, right? <laughs> because now I'm married a second time. I'm having to do the same thing there, right? but like not make a lot of those same mistakes again. I find that I am less, I'm more removed. I'm not moved by the emotion of things as much. Um, even this year, because of COVID, the national conference was canceled. We didn't get to go. I've never been to a national conference. And when I go next year, I might be a national you know, I don't even care. And I know my upline was probably like, well, don't you, you know, didn't you want to get your jewelry and walk stage? And I'm like, eh, not really. I don't care. You know, I just, I just, the recognition means nothing to me anymore. It's not going to be who you are again. Right. No. And, and all of the, the accolades even, I really don't even care about any of that anymore. Um, I just, for those who haven't seen it, those are major productions. I mean, oh, it's insane, isn't it? I've seen the video. I've seen you. I mean, from the videos, because that's, they're really, really well done and very glamorous. And, yep. you know, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I mean, there were 80,000 people registered for this last one. Wow. 80,000 people. And, you know, and it fills the stadium and they have renowned speakers from all over the world there. It's really cool. But I use all types of brands in my makeup case. I still recommend other products. I praise other companies for the products that they do well. 
Right. Arbonne's not the end all be all for me or for anybody. Not, not any woman is going to use all one product in their makeup case. Okay. I do want to ask you this, that I know you get a lot of satisfaction from the consulting and the sales and the team building, but I also know that you enjoy the the makeup, the, the artistry of that, the actual application of makeup and transforming a face, you know, for a special event or whatever that is. I know you do the makeup for the first lady um, of Florida. Um, so kind of tell me how, what satisfaction you get from that and why do you still, with everything else that's going on, why do you enjoy sitting in front of a woman and applying makeup for a special day? That is a really good question. In fact, my husband always will ask, like, how long are you going to do this? Because <laughs> your income with Arbon is at the point, you know, at the point yeah, where you don't, you don't have to do this. No, you don't have to do anything else anymore. Right. right. But I love it. Like, honestly, it's so crazy because I'm very type A, I'm very analytical and organized. But on the other side, I have this artsy fartsy side. Right. And doing makeup is very um, relaxing. It's a release that is, I don't have to think. And I think that's part of it. I'm super busy during the week. I'm flying from one thing to the next. I'm in work role and then I'm in mom role. And when I do makeup, like when I go be with a bride on a Saturday, I can just be quiet, listen to them laughing, drinking champagne, and I'm making women gorgeous. Right. And I don't have to think. And I think I've told, I've told him that I'm like, it's just mindless for me. I have an assistant. She sets everything up for me. All of my appointments, all the bridal stuff's taken care of. And she just tells me where to go. I just show up and I put makeup on people. You get to paint your picture. Exactly. And I I absolutely love it. And the same thing with, um, I don't take a ton of appointments during the week. I do some lessons, but like politicians, the first lady, you know, the secretary of state, those types I'll do during the week for different things. But I also love to be with them. Mm-hmm. that's another part. It's like, there's such a connection when they're in your chair. Like a lot of these people, they're my friends. And like, yeah. we talk about stuff and we shoot, you shoot it, you know, we're yeah. just like, whatever, you know, we just laugh and have a good time. And so, um, I think that's why it's mindless for me. Right. It's fun. It's connection. And so I think I'll continue to do it. Um, and I've gotten to the point where I raise my prices and I have my minimums high enough where I make it where it's worthwhile yeah, to leave the house. Right. And if it's not, then I just say no. And I've gotten to the point where in my life where I don't feel bad about that either. Like if somebody says, well, hey, can you, and it doesn't matter who it is. Right. A politician could, very high ranking politician could ask if I'm available. And if I have to go do my workout, I say no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because my workout, right. you know, I've just gotten to the point where I'm like, you know, I know how important it is, self-care and Certain things I prioritize better than I used to. Yeah. So, All right. I don't want to leave without talking about a long-term and deep passion for you, and that is protecting unborn life, um, that you have used your influence over the years to bring attention to the issue and specifically supporting a women's pregnancy center here in Tallahassee. Tell me why that's important to you. You know, I think it comes back to when I was a child, honestly, and I was, I was just thinking about this the other day. I can't believe you even asked the question, but... Um, I was watching the Miss America pageant and they asked one of the contestants during the question and answer part about her position on things. And I remember I was really young and I asked my mom, I was like, what is that? And she explained it to me and I was like, oh, you know, I just, I was struck at that Mm -hmm. moment and I'll never forget it. And about what the real issue is, because really when it comes down to it, there's a lot of rhetoric and I hear it all the time Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of rhetoric. Oh, you don't care about the born and all this, you know, all the, just, just these right. things that distract from the real issue. The real issue is, is it life and is it human? And the question is, and the answer is yes, it is. And, and do you believe that, that God makes mistakes, you know? Right. Um, and so then my dad went on, of course, he took that senior pastor position and he became very involved with um, the movement. And he, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but he would do a memorial each year with small white crosses in the, in mm -hmm. the church where we would memorialize the lives of unborn. And that, it moved me, you know, of course, and, and I came to understand the issues more. Well, then even during that two years where I was told you I was broke and at home and in Bible studies and just really exploring things more, I knew that. And I felt impressed that if I was to have the same level of success within any industry again that I had again with beauty control, that I felt like God was calling me to use my resources in that way. And so God and I had an arrangement that... <laughs> it's always good to have an <laughs> arrangement with we God, We had an arrangement. Right? Like, I really felt like this is what he wanted <laughs> me to do. So half of my retail sales goes straight to the Women's Pregnancy Center. And sometimes that's really tough to do because those numbers are getting big. Mm. But I know that God's blessed my business and that's why, I, right. you know, I just give it. But um, I really am, feel strongly, even having been through a crisis pregnancy, that if women know that they have the resources available to them in material needs, adoption services, people who really do care, love them, want to come alongside them, pray with them, all the services are there for them. And most women have no clue that those things are available to them. Um, I hear that rhetoric that, oh, you just care about the unborn, not the born. And that's really not true. As right. I don't know if once you see the community, especially within Tallahassee, that loves right. babies and loves mamas at the same time. It's not just about the baby being born. It's there's not, care for there's both. There's care after. for both. And it's, right. it's overwhelming. And there's so much love in the community, too. It's not about... Uh, coming down on anybody or saying, oh, you're wrong or you're bad, or even women who are post-abortive, who are friends and family of mine, you know, there's no judgment there. There's no judgment there. God loves you just the same in this community, same thing. But we want to make it known to women, especially in our community, that there is a support network there. There is services there. You don't have to go to one place that's only going to give you one option. I can guarantee you that there's just one option there. There's no prenatal services. There's no adoption referrals. There's no material services or OBGYN services there. There are other places that do provide that. And if we can get that information out in that community, those who don't know, is growing and it's huge and it's way bigger than most people think because they're not in the community. But in Tallahassee, the Women's Pregnancy Center provides all of that to these women. Yeah. And then also, I think just being in that position where I was faced with a crisis pregnancy and I had to make that choice. You know, I was not doing well. I was depressed. I was had very little income. I had just met my husband. I had three older children. And I had to go, okay, well, it would have been really easy in that moment to go, I have all the reasons, all right. the stereotypical reasons. But did God ordain that life or not? He did. And that's not my choice to eliminate it. And so now I have that also that, you know, Ford is here because of the result of my decision. And so I want to empower other women that they can do the same thing. Right. Our society says that you can't be successful with lots of children and you, you know, having babies will ruin your life and children will keep you from doing what you were meant to do. And that is not true. 
it's not true. We can still be successful and have a family and have lots of kids and, and, and we can do it all. You know? You've done it twice. <laughs> well, and I've had four kids. That's so, right. yeah. So, so I want women to feel empowered that they can, they can do that. Now, again, this is all said in love. There's no condemnation. Sure. You know, I have made so many mistakes in my life and Hey, still legal, right? At the end of the day, that we want women to feel like they have those options and that they're fully informed and that they can bring life in. You know, my mom was adopted. Mm. I wouldn't be here if somebody had not adopted my mother. My husband's mother was adopted. We both came from adoptive situations. Now, if it had been just a few years later, probably neither of us would be here because the choice would have been a different one for both of their mothers. Just two more questions. First one, looking back, what is one thing or person that changed or altered the trajectory of your life to this point? I would say the first would be what I mentioned earlier with my dad. Mm. Just knowing he was such a gentle man. And but so he stood by what he believed. He's the one that instilled in me just um, these strong core values. And after my life was falling apart, after his death, he was really still within me saying, okay, this is not, this would not please me and this does not please God. Mm. And that's what caused me to do a 180. My faith. And, you know, it hasn't always been perfect. Of course, that's part of being a Christian. But, um, you know, a defining moment also came and a turnaround also came for me when I realized what grace really was. As a pastor's kid, you grow up like it, it has to look perfect, be perfect. You have to, you know, be in this role of perfection. And I tried really hard my whole life to be that. And then when I fell from grace... I got to really um, get an intimate view of what it looks like to need God's love and forgiveness. And so um, I know now what, of course, redemption looks like. And I, and, and, and I know that through the death of my dad and all of that situation, God really redeemed the situation. He can redeem any situation for anybody and um, forgive anything. And um that it's not about who we, what we do and our behaviors and how perfect we are. And that's, so, I think that's relieving. <laughs> right. It's relieving for, sure. for me. Yeah. Did that change the way you look at yourself or think about yourself? Yeah. Cause I thought I was so perfect before, you know, and that there was no wrong. And, you know, I, I know that I've made a lot of mistakes and that, that God still loved me. Cause I tell you what, after my divorce, I did not think that. Hmm. And, uh, I remember sitting at the back of the church and thinking, I don't even deserve to be here. And then I remember thinking, yes, yes, you do, because we're all saved by grace. And and uh, and so I think that was probably a turning point, too, in my life that I realized that, like, you need it just as much as everybody else. <laughs> because when you grow up as a pastor's kid, you know, it's um, uh, it's very performance-based. Mm. And it can, Christianity can become performance-based for people um, and, and behaviors and rituals and stuff like that. And that's not yeah. what it's about. It's about a relationship and, and our need for God, um, not his need for us. <laughs> so anyway, I would say that was a big turning point for me too. And that helped me to see that I, I am nobody special. And even now, and, and I may be back to the role that I had before, there ain't nothing special about me. I mean, really, at the end of the day, I'm just the same as everybody else. And I, yeah, I tell myself that all the time. <laughs> like, you ain't 
nobody special, Lisa, you know, and, and I think that's good because you have to have that kind of, you know, view. We're all humans. And I think also going through a lot of loss will bring you there. You've lost a lot. Um, you are not exempt. All right. So Lisa, the name of this podcast is how I got here. So we've talked about how you got to this point in your life. Where do you think here might be for you three to five years from now? That's a really tough question because I don't feel the attachments that I used to feel to companies anymore. Um, So it would be, for me, it would be more like watching my children graduate from high school and college over the next few years. So for them, for the kids, being there for them for that and making it the best I can. You know, I've got one and a senior right now and I'm like, want this year to be fantastic. You know, like over the top, even with everything that's going on and make sure that all her needs are provided for. And same thing for my others, watching them grow up. I really think about it in terms of that because things could change with my vacation anytime. And so I really have very little, like I could decide tomorrow to start a marketing and branding company and and go do that. Um, So I know whatever I do, I'll bring the same values, principles, and work ethic there. So I'm not as concerned about what I'm doing as much as I am providing the best for my kids in the next few years. That was Lisa Davis. Since we recorded this episode, Lisa has launched an extension of her brand with Jennifer Powell Photography. It is a boutique-style studio in Northeast Tallahassee's Market Square, next to the Paint and Palette. Lisa describes it as a one-stop shop for all things image, including spray tanning, makeup sales, classes, and application, plus professional photography from branding to headshots. I encourage you to check it out. Thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Thanks to my amazing staff at Fiori Communications who pick up the slack while I'm working on these podcasts and to Troy Bloom for composing our theme music. You can hear more of Troy's creations on Facebook and Instagram at Troy Bloom Music. To connect with the podcast or suggest a future guest, follow us on social media or email us at podcast at fioricommunications.com.